Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Lorraine Murphy Show. I have been very excited to sit down and record this episode because I did a shout out on my Instagram. I said, ask me anything about our Spain move. And yeah, there were a lot of questions. So I will get through as many as I can in the time that I've allocated for this episode. So yeah, in personal use, if you've, you haven't been following along Instagram, we moved our family to Spain. So our plan is to spend 18 months in Spain. So we've moved our family and it's been a really yeah big, big plan for the last year to really set the business up so that we can be here and do this. So that is going to be the focus of tonight. I'm saying tonight because I'm recording this tonight to this week's episode. So in business news, before I jump into your many, many questions, I have just launched a new mentoring offer. So if you've been following for a while, you might be aware that I offer Power Quarter Mentoring, which is a three-month mentoring package one-on-one with me. And I was playing around with different kind of concepts for the business. And I think just being in Spain as well, I've given myself a bit more flex to explore different offers as well this year. And I decided to offer a power month of mentoring. So it's one month, high octane, high frequency, high energy, and it's suitable for business owners and professionals. And I would really suggest if you're looking at joining me for Power Month Mentoring, it's really about coming into it ideally with a particular challenge. So I was messaging someone today on Instagram who's keen, for example, she has just been made redundant and is starting her own business. And she's like, I just, I need a month with you to make this happen. So as an example, just bringing something into it, maybe you're looking to scale up your business and you want to create a roadmap with me in order to do that. Maybe you have a creative project that's been kind of burning a, a hole in your brain for many months and maybe even many years. And you want a real kickstart to get that moving with me. So if you are keen to know more about Power Month Mentoring, just drop me a DM on Instagram. So it's at Lorraine Murphy Mentor saying Power Month, and I'll get you all the info there on Instagram. And in other big business news, oh, it's now this month because we just ticked over to March as I'm recording this. I will also be opening doors to Bold Darling this month. So I've got a really, really exciting adventure coming over the next couple of weeks. So yeah, stay tuned for that. I'll let you know about that in next week's episode. So onto my personal use, which I've kind of already shared, is that we have indeed moved to Spain. So we are now, what are we on now? It's been 17 days since we moved to Spain. So we really are still very much fresh off boat with this move. And I really wanted to do an Ask Me Anything episode early in the in, in the move because I'm sure you've experienced yourself when 
you take on new goals or new challenges that it all gets quite blurry in the early days, almost like having a baby. It's blurry in those early kind of (laughs) sleep deprived days. So I wanted to do an episode pretty early on, just when everything's still very fresh. And a lot of the questions were relating to how we prepared to move to Spain, what we left, what we brought and so on. So Yes, I wanted to um, yeah do this episode. Okay, so I'm going to dive straight in because there are a lot of questions and some people have asked multiple questions. They're clearly thinking <laughs> about a move like this themselves. So Francesca has asked, why did you move from Sydney? Sorry, may have missed the reason. Totally fine, Francesca. So the reason, there was multiple reasons. I have been, I almost hit my 14 year anniversary in Australia and clearly absolutely loved life there. COVID, not being able to see my family back in Ireland for three years was incredibly difficult. I'm just so touch wood grateful that everyone stayed safe and well back in Ireland because yeah, my heart goes out to anyone who who lost anyone or had people going through some really tough things at home and, and they couldn't be there to support them and, and look after them. So yeah, three years, we went back to Ireland in July last year and we had Wilder who just turned one and my sister had a two-year-old nephew that I'd never met. So yeah, just a bit effed up. I didn't like being held, you know, <laughs> held captive in Australia and just felt like I missed out on a lot of time, particularly with my my nephews and my niece. Now I've got a, a new nephew as well. And so, yeah, that was a big motivator was to be closer to my family in Ireland, give the cousins a chance to actually have time together. That wasn't over WhatsApp video. And another reason was the opportunity to explore Europe. I took Europe so for granted when I lived here my first what, how many years did I live here for? 27 years I lived in, so between Ireland and the UK. And yeah, just took for granted, took it for granted. And I think it's only being in Australia for so long now that you realise like it really is a big deal to go to Europe and yeah, just visit things that I took for granted that I could just hop on a plane to when I lived over this side of the world. So it's really as an opportunity to explore. And the other reason is, you know, why not? My business has been built with this in mind for the last, God, year now, a year and a half now. And Wade has planned what some ways that he's going to be building income remotely as well. So we just kind of said, well, why not? And it's been interesting since we talked about, we started talking about this move as we were letting our friends and family and neighbors and community know in Australia. And how many people, interestingly, people in their 50s, 50s plus, who said, I'm, you know, it's so good you're doing this. We always said we'd do it and we never did it. And I remember the people that we purchased our investment property from, we were talking to her and she said, oh, we just never did it. We never got around to it. And many, many people in their 50s plus have said that. And we just kind of said, well, if not now, then when? Like, do we wait until Lexi's getting to high school age? At the moment, as I'm recording this, Wilder's 20 months old. Lexi is five and a half, almost five and three quarters. She reminds me many, many times. So it just felt like, well, let's just fucking do it. You know, we can talk about this for another few years. And since very, very early on in myself and Wade's relationship, we talked about almost like mini retirements, like taking a year off every five years to go and explore the world. And then we just kind of said, well, if we can work at the same time, then why not do that? So yeah, that was the why, Francesca. Thank you for that question. Lizzie has said, all the info, please, anything and everything. Okay. So I'm trying to pack as much into this as I can. I'm trying to do this if possible in chronological order. Okay. So in terms of getting ready to go, so Mona Lisa Perth has asked what type of work will Wade be doing? So he's got some consulting work lined up. He's also supporting me in my business, kicking my ass in terms of financials, profit, 
he runs a very, very tight ship in his businesses. So this is a really good opportunity. I feel the challenge that I have experienced in this second business versus my first business, which was a talent agency for social influencers, is in that first business, I worked on that business 90% of the time. Whereas in this business, I work in it 90% of the time because I am the product, if that makes sense. In that first business, I had a team, I had operations, I had an operations team or an account management team. And then our influencers were actually creating the content. So in this business, I find I'm very, my days are very full, which is incredibly brilliant. And I'm so grateful for that. The challenge I find with this business is I don't have as much time to work on it as I would like. So that's been amazing about Wade gradually stepping in and gripping up more of the operations side of the business just to make sure that we're really realizing the full potential of the business. And so, yeah, he's got a couple of other projects that he's working on. So I will keep you all posted on them and how they're going. I don't want to say too much because it's still early days as he's getting one of those going. Okay. Now, great question from Felicity who has said, how did you get the courage to go for it or know it was the right thing to do? So it was all very quick in my mind. <laughs> it was very quick. I was on Instagram and one Thursday evening and the kids were in bed and I just found, I was following an influence at the time and she had just moved to Spain and I was just following her, like just looking through her stories and what she was up to. And I just said, God, that's really interesting. I never thought about moving to Spain. I always thought, you know, if we moved to Ireland, we moved, we, sorry, we moved to Europe we would move to Ireland, which I wouldn't want to live in Ireland again. We could go to London. I've already lived in London. Whereas Spain is, I feel like it's kind of the best of a few different worlds. It's close to Ireland. So it's a two and a half hour flight versus a 26 hour flight that we were used to doing from Sydney. The climate, obviously, depending on where you live in Spain, the climate's incredible. And I also have a cousin here. So my cousin Kat moved here two and a half years ago. So Wade came home from work. He worked late that night. And I said, I want us to move to Spain when he walked in the door. And he was just like, what the hell? Like, what are you talking about? Why would we move to Spain? So that was in November, 2021. So it's been quite a long journey to, yeah, like to figure it out. Would it work? I had many, many phone calls with Kat pumping her for information, obviously researching schools and houses and what the lifestyle would be like here. And Wade needed to go on that journey as well. I'm quite quick to go, yeah, cool. This is the right thing. Let's make it happen yesterday. Whereas he's a crab. So he's a cancer. He's a star sign. So he tends to move more sideways. So yeah, a lot of last year was really just figuring out what would this look like? It doesn't make sense. And ultimately we decided go for it. So in terms of courage, as you said, Felicity, I don't know if there was like naivety. I feel like now we've landed and it's been two and a half weeks. I'm like, fuck, are we crazy? <laughs> I'm feeling I'm needing more courage now that we're actually here than I was necessarily before we left. Yeah, I think I knew it was the right thing to do. And as I said, you kind of get to a point where you go, well, if not now, then when? And I'm, I've just turned 40 and I feel like I hear stories of you know, people in their mid-40s who have you know, intent, like terrible illnesses or, you know, just as I'm recording this, Dave Hollis, who's the ex-husband of Rachel Hollis, who's an entrepreneur that I adore in the US and I adore Dave's work as well. He just passed away at 47. So 
without being morbid, you kind of go, well, that's, you kind of need to seize the day and then make these things happen. So thank you so much for your question, Felicity. That is a great one. Okay. Next question. How did we work out? Lizzie has asked, how do we work out what to send to Spain versus what to keep in Australia? And Shelley, so I'm thinking maybe Michelle, Shelley has also asked about key points to downsize, declutter. How did you decide what to take, what to keep, what to get rid of? So initially we had said, okay, well, we'll just move our stuff into storage. If we want to go for a year to 18 months, let's put everything in storage. And when we actually looked at our stuff, like we tend to buy secondhand, there's very little in our home in Sydney that we had bought new. And so if you kind of look at the cost to replace it when we eventually go back to Australia versus what it would cost to pay to store it for 18 months, we kind of went like, just doesn't really make commercial sense. And I quite liked the idea of starting again as well. Just that sense of almost like that liberation. I feel like possessions and I wrote about this in my book, Get Remarkably Organized, that so much of the stress, there was a university study that I quoted in the book and said that so much of, they they studied women, mothers specifically, and they said that such a key part of their stress was just managing possessions, like moving stuff from A to B around their house. So I just really liked the idea of freeing ourselves from those physical possessions and so, yeah, ultimately we decided, okay, well, let's just sell everything. And so we either sold or donate, donated probably, God, 80% of our possessions. So what stayed in Australia? So we packed, God, was it six boxes? You know, those plastic to- storage tubs from Target or Kmart. We packed six of those and they were mementos, ornaments, photos, that kind of thing. And they're all clearly labeled. So they went up to Wade's parents in Port Macquarie. And we also sent up with them all of our artwork. So like our framed paintings and photos, all that kind of thing went up to be stored at their place as well. And we also, this is (laughs) when Wade and I first moved in together, he moved into my share house. I was living with two other women from Sydney in Sydney and he moved into my house and then we moved out. I think we lived there for a year together. And then we moved out to our own place, which was just down the street. And he was actually in London. He was doing a course with his job at the time in London. And we had gone to see this house just down the street. It's like a little cottage. It was divine. I started my business, my first business there. And we had picked this, we'd gone to see this house. We'd signed the dotted line, paid the bond, all that kind of thing. And then he went away trying to figure out how that worked. Anyway, we finally got the keys on, it was the week before he got back. So we had this overlap of renting and I went and like looked on Gumtree and I found this coffee table, which is like an old chest. It looks, I think it's pretty old and we've had to kind of give it some little facelifts over the years. But that was the first piece of furniture that I bought. I drove down to Maroubra in the car and (laughs) bought this coffee table. So that's actually the only piece of furniture that we've kept. We sent that up to Wade's parents as well. It just felt like the... I guess a bit of the history and the provenance of our relationship and the homes that we've had together because that coffee table has lived in many, many homes with us. So that's the only furniture we kept. And then in terms of what we shipped to Spain, so I found a service. I was looking at like containers and shipping, half shipping containers and all that kind of thing. And I spoke to one company and the woman just was really honest. And she said, look, we're not going to be cost effective for you. If you're only sending over a few boxes, it's not worth your while doing it. So we, I found a service called Send My Bag, which is actually really clever. So you can ship ahead. So let's say you're going for a week in 
I'm going to say, okay, you go to Madrid, okay, for a week. And then you're going on skiing somewhere down south in Spain or north or wherever the hell you go. So what you can actually do is rather than lugging all your ski gear with you, you can just ship that directly to your end destination, like where you're going skiing. So it's pretty cool. Like you can ship like excess luggage, all that kind of thing. So we ended up, I was only planning on shifting three boxes, but then once we actually started packing everything up, it was actually seven boxes that we shipped. So we sent that two days before we left Sydney and it should have arrived the day after. So it takes like four or five days to get here, but I stuffed up a bit of the paperwork. So we had to send through, I'd send through my passport and finally it was released and it got here a week to the day after we arrived. So what we shipped all of myself and Wade's winter clothes, so boots, for me, heels, jackets, all that kind of thing. And we also shipped, oh God, rookie error. I also put the two, the kids' two winter coats into those boxes as well. So of course we get here, we land in Madrid airport and it's freaking Baltic, like two degrees. And we had to wait a week for their winter coats. <laughs> I don't know if I'm too Irish. I'm like, I'm not buying more winter coats. They've already got winter coats. So I got them these like fleeces and then they just lived in those for the first week until we got their coats back. And so we shipped, yeah, winter clothes. Wade also shipped all of his army stuff, all of his jujitsu stuff. And we also shipped some, I handpicked the kids' favorite toys, like some of Wilder's favorite toys and also some of their favorite books as well, just so they had things that felt like home when they got here. We also shipped just randomly our bed sheets because they were really nice Sheridan ones that I only bought last year. So we shipped a set of king size bed sheets. And I also shipped a box of my books. So I shipped about 10 copies of each of my books. So my four books over here as well. And my favorite books I shipped, I brought 10 books. That would actually make a good podcast episode, the 10 books that I chose to bring. Everything else we donated, which was heartbreaking because we had a lot of books that we adored. And what else did we ship? I shipped a frying pan, which in retrospect, I'm like, why? But new good frying pans are quite expensive and non-toxic ones. And I also, I wanted to ship our salt lamps because I just felt like they're real, they're the heart of our home. We've got one in each room normally. And it turns out actually when I did the packing list and did all the paperwork, the DHL came back and said, nah, you can't ship them. They're considered crystals. I was like, damn it. So yeah, we've just had to order new salt lamps from over here. And so yeah, they're the key things that that we shipped. And then in terms of what we packed, we had seven suitcases. Yes, we had seven suitcases. And thankfully we're virgin gold. So we got the higher luggage allowance we flew with Etihad. So we had 32 kilos each for myself, Wade and Lexi. And then Wilder got 10 kilos. But I think (laughs) the guy at Sydney airport, when we rocked up with seven suitcases and five pieces of baby equipment, I think he was just like, yeah, I'm not even going to go there with trying to figure out this, this for these guys. He didn't question it. And we were definitely overweight. So yeah, we had seven suitcases and we had, we brought the two kids car seats. We brought the porticot. We brought Wilder's like proper pram that we use day to day in Sydney. And we also brought just the crappy little target stroller as well, which we brought right up to the gate. And then we checked it in at that point. So yes, the decluttering, I have to say, was very satisfying. And we just really realized we started at Christmas time. So over the Christmas break, we started decluttering and we got rid of an entire wardrobe in the kids' room that I thought like, we've got to keep all that to the last minute. Like it was more just like, let's get rid of everything that's not critical until the very, you know, as soon as we can. So an entire kid's wardrobe full of stuff that we were holding on to. And I, I thought we lived quite minimalist. We also got rid of an entire dresser in our kitchen and reallocated things and cut everything back significantly. So 
I would actually offer that as a decluttering tip. If you want to declutter your house, just think if you're moving to Europe or moving overseas for a year plus, what would you actually need to hold on to? And just things like we were holding on to in that wardrobe in the kids' room. We had a double, a double doona, double full duvet, like double sheets for a double bed. We had like a mattress protector and we had a what a foam mattress, whatever they're called, those comfort things, memory foam thing for the top of a mattress. And that was actually for a sofa bed that we had that we haven't had in our house for like three years, but we were still holding on to double bed duvets and so on, just in case we ever needed it. So yeah, that was very satisfying, just offloading and feeling lighter. I have to say, I don't feel that I got that sense of, ah, everything's so light. Like I was kind of waiting for that feeling to kick in when we got to the airport and we just got our seven suitcases and that's it. Cause people talk about that feeling, but yeah, I didn't get it. I think we were so keyed up. It had been such a massive couple of, you know, couple of months getting to that point that, yeah, <laughs> we're just too exhausted to even get our heads around that feeling. So yes. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of you asked about what we brought, what we left and so on. Okay. Lizzie has lots of questions. Has also asked, how did you go about organizing to get to Spain, where to start and what to do? So I think the key thing for me was talking to my cousin, Kat, who was here in the area that we're living in now. She was an absolute mine of information. The great thing as well as like desktop research, just getting on the internet and just Googling the crap out of things. There were a couple of different areas that we were thinking about moving to in Spain, but just having my cousin here, just having that one person who's familiar just swung it for us. And I have to say, I am so glad we moved close to her. So we're 15 minute drive from where she lives. And just the, all the little things that she's been help, able to help us with, it's just been game changing. Like from a hairdresser recommendation to in, in Spain, there's something called your knee. How do they say? It? They say your, your knee, not your knee. It's your NIE number. So it's essentially if you're a foreigner in Spain, it's your number to kind of identify you. It's like almost like a social security number. But the problem is you need that for everything, like to start a proper, like build phone, like a contra phone contract to even order stuff online. Sometimes we've been asked for an NIE number and it's so freaking hard to get it. Like you can't just do it online. You've got to go into the police station with certain documentation. They only drop X amount of appointments each day in each individual locality. You can't, like I searched the internet trying to find the link to book these bloody appointments, could not find it. So Kat was able to jump into a forum, got a recommendation of a lady called Jane, who has done all our paperwork and we had our NIE numbers within, God, within four days of starting. And that's including a weekend. She's a freaking machine. So um, yeah, having my cousin here has been absolutely amazing. So pumping her for information and then just, yeah, just doing the research. And then there was also picking timings. We were actually thinking about going in July last year. And like, as in doing the move. And then we realized it's peak season in Spain and like peak season here, it's next level in terms of the prices of everything just skyrockets. So we just figured that's a really stupid time to be arriving to try lock in a villa. Like you're going to be locking in a villa top, top price, top dollar, everything from cars, like everything's more expensive. So, and plus it's hot and it's the middle of the school year for Lexi in Australia. So, so yes, that hopefully that's answered some of that question, Lizzie. Okay. Next question is whereabouts in Spain are we? Okay. So this is a nice kind of follow on. So in Spain, we are on the Costa Blanca. So it's Southeast. Our nearest big city is Alicante. So that's a 25 minute drive, I think, from where we're living here. So we are living in a seaside town. It's just the perfect, (laughs) 
it's the perfect compromise for myself and Wade because I've always, my parents live in a mount, like in a, up, up mountains. So I've always been like, I want to live in mountains, want to have nature on a doorstep and be in mountains. Whereas Wade's like, I'm ocean. He loves the coast, all the things. So where we are now, it's crazy. It's so mountainous, mountainous we live, like our house is pretty much up a mountain, but we're only, God, what's it like eight, 10 minutes walk down to, down, down the hill, down to the beach. And there's a white pebble beach is our local beach and a big promenade and so on. And then there's so many beaches in the area, like there's beaches everywhere. So, and when we came here in July last year, we did a recce, we called it. So we stayed near where my cousin is and we just checked out a different town each day just to get a bit of feel for them. And check out some real estate in the area and just get the vibe. And the town that we're in now, we just loved. It's right by the ocean. It's got so many parks and playgrounds. The restaurants are amazing. So my cousin travels here every time she wants to go out for dinner because the food is just like next level. Where we were staying last July was very much kind of local tourist seafood restaurants, really. That was it. And where we are now, myself and Wade went out for a beautiful Mexican last Friday night. There's Japanese. There's obviously lots of Spanish restaurants as well. And a lot of the restaurants are right down on the ocean front, right in the promenade. The view is incredible. So, so yeah, it feels cosmopolitan enough. Like I think I would really miss different flavors if we were living kind of more, I guess, in typical Spanish area. But so yeah, it does feel quite cosmopolitan. Food's incredible. So yes, to answer your question, we are on the Costa Blanca and our nearest, so our nearest airport is Alicante Airport from where we are. So it's, I guess, 40, 40, 45 minutes to Alicante Airport. We actually flew into Madrid and drove down because it was a six and a half hour wait to get down, get the flight from Madrid to Alicante. And I was like, oh, we can just drive in four hours. So we decided to do that. We got a driver to pick us up and bring us down. Next question, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. How did you find your rental? So there is a website cap. My cousin got me onto it called Immobilista. And that's pretty much the, I guess, the domain or the real estate of Spain. So yeah, we just started looking like once we knew where we wanted to live in July last year, I was doing probably weekly searches, just getting a handle of what kind of accommodation we could get. And I found the place that we're living in I actually inquired about another eye. So this is the other challenge with renting in Spain. Okay. So often I found a place that I really loved. It was like this six bedroom, beautiful old style Spanish villa. And I was in touch with the owner direct on WhatsApp. She was lovely. And I said, we're looking for a long-term rental. We're moving from Sydney with our family. And she said, oh no, it's not available for rent year round. So often the long-term rentals, inverted commas long-term, is from, what am I saying? So from January, like October to April, that's considered like a long-term lease or if like max long-term, which this woman was, she would have charged us more rent. She was saying she could do it as in we could have it for 10 months of the year and then she would rent it out herself in July and August. So that was actually quite challenging. I acquired about a particular villa that I liked and the agent came back and said, no, it's not available year round. Like it's only available. I think it was like eight months of the year or something like that. And I said, no, we want a long-term rental. And she came back and said, look, that one isn't available, but how about this one, which was the villa we're living in now. And initially I just said, nah, it's way too expensive. It's way beyond our budget, but we negotiated over time. So I think I was in touch with her for Jesus, two months, I think, before we actually signed on the dotted line for this place. So we agreed to pay rent up front. So quite a few months rent up front. And we also agreed to sign an 18 month lease. And we've also got permission from the owner 
to rent the place to family and friends as well. So that just means that, you know, in peak season, we want to be traveling over July and August because Lexi's on school holidays. So that works for us beautifully because we can rent it out to get to friends. And my friend Jules was like, so does that mean like your Instagram friends are like friends? I'm like, yes, they are. (laughs) So if you know of anyone looking to rent a stunning villa in Spain over the next couple of summers, please do send them my way. So yeah, that made a big difference as well for us and in terms of justifying the investment in the rent as well. So yes, that is how we found our rental. And of course, it was so good then because Kat went to see it. It was the, I did the Hoffman process from Friday to Friday and the Friday evening that I got out of Hoffman and was on that solo retreat bit. Kat went to see the villa with me, with her, for us, with her husband. So Wade was in Sydney on WhatsApp video. I was in Byron Bay on video. And then Kat and her husband were like showing us around the house. And it was so funny. I was like, open this door. What's behind that door? Open everything. And she's like, Lorraine. And this is the great thing as well, because this place has been let as a holiday rental. It's just fully set up. So everything from plates, tea towels, saucepans, bedding, towels, everything is here. Like it was literally just turnkey. We turned the key and we've just been able to live here. So that's been amazingly helpful with the adjustment. I think it would be a very different situation if we're trying to you know, do Ikea runs and set up a house from scratch as well. So that was also a big part of the value of somewhere like this is that it's turnkey. We could just walk in and start living there straight away. Okay, Jessica, thank you for your question. Someone else has asked where we are, Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. And okay. So questions then. So a lot of questions around cost of living in Spain versus Australia. So I actually just wanted to make some notes on this for you just to give you a bit of kind of comparison because I just like the data. So I'm just trying to work out because I just asked, wait, I haven't joined a gym yet here. There's a Pilates and yoga studio near us that I will join, but it's just been low on the priority list, which is not a good thing. I need to get there. But yeah, okay. I'm just working out some maths around what Wade said. Okay. Okay. So in terms of cost of living, so Missy Ferguson has asked how much does it roughly cost to rent a villa? Stacy has asked about the cost of living in Spain versus Australia, groceries, rent, etc. And someone else asked about, yeah, Renee asked financially, has it been expensive aside from obvious flights and so on? Okay. So let me talk about the expense of moving first of all. So the expenses were, I guess the ones that we had planned for and we expected were obviously our flights, but I don't know what the hell was happening with the flights we booked. We got the deal of the century. So we flew Sydney to Abu Dhabi to Madrid. I bought tickets for, as in we booked seats for Wade, me and Lexi. We didn't book a seat for Wilder. So he was on one of our knees. And in retrospect, I should have just booked the seat for him, given that it was so cheap. And also that, that he could have, <laughs> he would have gotten 32 kilos of baggage as well, which would have cut down on what we shift. But anyway, you live and learn. So for the four of us to fly one way, obviously, it was only $2,700. So we really did get a great deal. Like I was booking it going, Wade, is this right? And he's like, it seems to be. And I'm like, are we definitely flying to Madrid, Spain? And not there's a secret Madrid somewhere in Australia. So yeah, flights were a lot cheaper than we expected. The shipping was more expensive than we expected. And then things like like school, like we knew what we were budgeting because we had checked out the school in July last year. So we knew what the expense of school would be. There's just been kind of more hidden costs since we landed that we hadn't really factored in. So, and this relates to someone else's question around what the visa situation is. So 
I'm obviously EU, so I've got an Irish passport, which is our kind of ticket to paradise here. It's, yeah, given Brexit and there's so many British people who live in Spain, they've been really, really badly affected with Brexit because I think, oh, I'm trying to remember this, they can only be here for a maximum of 90 days a year now, as opposed to all year round. I'm hoping I'm getting that right. So what we are doing is I am applying for residency. So I've got my immigration appointment next week. So I'm applying for residency. Once my residency is approved, then we apply for residency for Wade and the two kids. And then there, we don't need to apply for residency for Lexi because she's a EU citizen, but it's more of a yell, obviously getting Wade and Wilder. I haven't done his Irish passport yet. Damn it. So yeah, so that's what happens. I get approved first for residency and then we do their applications separately then as well. So there's just been things like expenses that we didn't realize that in order to qualify for residency, for example, you need to have health insurance and the immigration department needs to see that health insurance for 12 months and you can't pay that monthly. So we paid our health insurance back in Australia monthly, like on a payment plan, whatever. It was like a monthly payment. So that was something that we weren't expecting and that insurance is, yeah, it'd be pretty much the same as what we were paying in Australia. But in Australia, we had the top level of cover and this is more kind of medium level cover. In Australia, our cover included like acupuncture and osteopaths and all that kind of thing. Our cover here doesn't include that. And none of the cover, none of the levels offer that as part of the, with the insurer that we've gone with. So yeah, just things like that, having to pay upfront for your health insurance for the whole year. We were like, fuck, like we did not plan for that. There's also just little things like to get our NIE numbers, for example, it was 80 euro, yeah, 80 euros each to have Jane process them, which is the best money because she was amazing. But just all those little things like that. And then the expense of just setting up a kitchen from scratch. I mean, it sounds silly, but just buying all your olive oils and tamari and apple cider vinegar and coconut oil and just the pantry alone. Like there's a lot of initial setup expenses as well, which sounds mental, but I did three massive shops in Carrefour, the organic place, and probably a second. I feel like I've lived at fecking Carrefour. And yeah, it was only last week I did the shopping with Lexi on Saturday for the week ahead. And I said to Wade, I feel that's the first like normal shop. Like I left Carrefour with two shopping bags and I had three boxes from the organic store. And like that feels like normal. Thank God, because yes, Carrefour got a solid chunk of our setup budget in Spain. Yeah. Okay. So cost of getting here, that was one question. And then in terms of cost of living, so I just wanted to do some kind of rough calcs just so I could actually give you some solid data on this. So food-wise, so where we shopped in Sydney, we went to the local farmer's markets and we bought all of our produce at the farmer's markets and all our eggs there. And then I would do a bulk order of meat from a butcher in Bonner Junction. And we would go to the fish markets and stock up on fish. And then we would get any of our kind of pantry stuff and Woolies or Aldi or whatever. So I'm trying to just kind of benchmark that against the places I've found to shop so far. So here we have found Praisby because I was really worried about getting organic food here. We found a brilliant organic supermarket. Uh, I walked in there. I think that was the day. It was our first proper day. It was the day after we arrived. It was a Tuesday and I walked in and I was like, oh, thank God. They've got like spelt bread on organic berries and organic chicken and all the like lovely crackers and smoked salmon and dairy. And I'm like, yes, thank God. We will be okay. We will be okay. We can eat. Sorry, that sounds really ridiculous. Of course, we'd eat anyway, but it just felt like, okay, cool. This is like the same standard as what I would love to, what I enjoy 
having for our family at home in, in Australia. So food wise, if I was just to benchmark that organics place, roughly it's about 30% less than what we would pay for similar in Australia. So that's the organic store. However, if we shop at the markets, as in just the local, there's a market every single day in some town here. If we shop at the markets, it's a lot less, like 50% plus less. The only thing at the markets is it's not organic and no one advertises themselves as being organic. So what I've been trying to do, just because I am mindful of cash as we settle in here is I get the dirty dozen from the organics place. So if you're not familiar with the dirty dozen, it's like the 12 fruits and vegetables that they're the ones that are like sprayed the most. I've got the thinnest skin where they're, it's best if possible to eat those organic. So I've been getting the dirty dozen at the organics place and then the rest at the markets. So for example, at the markets, it's interesting, right? You go to the markets and some of them, I got there at midday. So it's two hours. Normally the markets are 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. here. So we get to the markets and some of the stands are like totally full, look like they've hardly sold anything all day. And then we went to this other stand where they were literally just like getting rid of the last of their stuff and clearly just trying to shift it. So I got a massive bag of onions. I got a massive bag of mandarins. I think it was like three kilos of mandarins. And what was the other thing I got? I got three of my, was it carrots maybe? I can't remember what I got, but three massive bags. And then the guy, I just handed him 20 euro because I didn't, I'm still learning my numbers in Spanish. I can do one to 10 so far. And he handed me back 17 euro. And I just said to Wade, babe, that was three euro, like insane. So if you choose where you shop at the markets, it's much, much cheaper. But yeah, I will keep searching for an organic stand at the markets. So with rent, so we could rent in town for a lot less, maybe roughly the same as what we were paying in Sydney for a three bedroom terrace in Sydney with no parking. What we are paying now, if we were to get the equivalent of, because our house went up in rent when we moved out of it, if we were to get that house again, we're paying 25% more rent here in Spain than we are in Sydney. And that is for a freaking huge, it feels like a mansion, a huge four bedroom house, five, five bathrooms. Yeah. Every bed, every bedroom has an ensuite, beautiful kitchen, pool, spa, it's just set up really beautifully. There's like a fire pit outside. I can't wait for summer to actually really enjoy the outside. It feels like we're only living in like 20% of the house at the moment because we're just like, it's cold. And it's just been done really beautifully. Like all the finishes are gorgeous. It's got central heating, which I think is quite rare. I think it's like Sydney is quite rare to have that here. And yeah, just furnished beautifully. And so yeah, we're paying 25% more rent here. But as I said, the intention is that we'll rent out the villa for a few weeks each summer as well too make back some of our rent as well. Just random things like parking is so cheap. Holy shit. I parked this evening. I met my cousin and my auntie for a spa. So it's like a massage place, but they've got this whole spa, like this massive big pool with like all these different jets along the side to massage different parts of your body. It's got two saunas. It's got a steam room. It's got a jacuzzi. It's got a, what was it called? A sun shower room, which like shines all these different kind of lights and then sprinkles you with like cold water or warm water. They've got like these heated beds. They've got an ice pool. So yeah, anyway, random <laughs> tangent, but I went there this evening and I paid a euro 50 for two hours of parking. So that's two, 220 Australian and parking is free if you park over siestas. So yeah, just little things like that make a difference in our suburb. Like we were living in Balmain and Sydney. It was $4.40 for parking. If you go down to Bondi, it's, I think it's $7.70 for parking an hour down in Bondi by the beach. So just little things like that are definitely cheaper. 
In terms of schools, so Lexi's in an international school. We, of course, could have put her into a local Spanish school, but we just felt like with moving country, just having to do all of her schooling through a foreign language was just mean. <laughs> so we do, and you know, we could have avoided that by getting really getting her Spanish up to a really good standard before we left. But we've chosen to go to the international school, so they speak English in school. She does English and Spanish classes every day in school. And so, yeah, she's in a very nice school. Like, we're a bit like, holy crap, okay, this is very fancy. And we're paying, I think, roughly the same as what we were paying for her Montessori. We're not going to be doing any, they do after school care, but the school day is already quite long. It's from 9 a.m. to 4, 10 past 4 in the afternoon. So she won't be doing any after school care at this school. So, yeah, we will be paying less for school, if that makes sense. Now, daycare has been the interesting one because all the daycares were full around this area and we were like, shite. So we did manage to get Wilder. I don't know how, I think he swung it for himself. We got him a place at Lexi's school. They have a daycare there. And that is, so I wanted to break this one down for you. So that is 450 euro a month. So that's for five days a week. And that works out at $675 a month which if you were to send your child every day, I'm doing very, very back of beer math, back of beer math maths here, but that's $33 a day. We were paying $160 a day in Sydney for his, for his daycare. So we won't be sending him every day. We'll be sending him three, day, three times a week, three days a week. But uh, yeah, that's a massive difference. And I'm assuming it's the business model of the school is to obviously get the kids in early when they're young. And then ideally then the parents keep them there. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's been an epic saving. That's a huge difference for us in terms of what we're outlaying in childcare for him. But what else do I want to tell you? So gym. So as I said, I haven't joined a gym yet. Wade's jiu-jitsu. So interesting, right? This is so cute. His jiu-jitsu was $90 a fortnight. So he's paying $180 a month for jiu-jitsu in Sydney. And his gym now is 80 euro a month to train like unlimited classes. But if his daughter also trains there, it's only 60 euros. They're obviously trying to incentivize the guys to get more girls in, which is really cute. So yeah, his jujitsu is less than half the price. Am I doing my maths right? 90? Yeah, it's, ex it's actually exactly half the price. And his gym is about 60% less a month. And I'm sorry, I will fill you in on what my gym is in a later episode. I just haven't got there yet. That's the plan for next week. And then eating out. So if there's lots of, it's a real Spanish thing. If you haven't been to Spain before, there's the menu del dia, which is the menu of the day. And that changes up day to day in different restaurants. So you could get a menu del dia for 10 euro, which is $15, right up to like we went for like a fancy one last week. And that was over lunch. We had a three course lunch and that was 20 euros. So that's kind of the more exy end of the scale, which is $30. So just to give you an idea for starter, I had grilled prawns for mains. I had seafood pasta and for dessert, I had, I didn't order well. I got the um, apple strudel, not good. And then, yeah, so that's, and then often the menu del dia will include a drink or include coffee as well. So if you're kind of eat out in like more the local Spanishy places, like beautiful restaurants, you're probably paying about $30 a head without alcohol, unless it's included in the menu idea. But if you're going for more world food, it's definitely more expensive. So Wade and I went out for Mexican last Friday. We had two margaritas each, which were insane. They were like these smoky mango margaritas. Holy crap, best I've ever had. So we had two margaritas each. We shared a massive thing of guacamole for a starter. We had a main each and we had dessert each. And that was a hundred euros. So $150. So 75 a head for that meal, which 
here feels expensive, but when I totted it up as to what that would probably be in Australia, it wasn't anywhere near that. So yeah, that would just give you an idea of the cost of living. I've had a lot of questions about that over DMs as well as on these. Emma asked the question, how does it work in terms of taxes? Do you need to pay tax in Australia and Spain? So if you are outside of Australia for less than three years, you still retain your primary tax residency in Australia, if that makes sense. So we will primarily spend, be taxed through Australia. We will also be taxed in Spain, but it's... I feel like I should be able to tell you this. We had a session with the tax accountant over here in, God, was that September? Just to get the lay of the land and tax and so on. So it's workable, it's manageable. And each country does acknowledge the fact that you're kind of paying tax in the other country and how it works then in terms of my business. So my business is still here in Australia, but what I'm doing is tax-wise, I set up, it's called an autonomo, which is essentially a sole contractor. And then I will invoice as my Spanish sole contractor, I will invoice myself in Australia for my work, if that makes sense. So that's how I will draw a salary from the business. We'll put it through the autonomo here in Spain. Someone else asked about money or taxes or something. What was that question? Damn it. I can't find that other question. There was something around taxes. No. Okay. If I find it, I'll come back to it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Someone asked, Lizzie asked, access to money while there. So Spain bank accounts. So we've opened Spanish bank accounts. And what we are then using, Wade has found a service called Wise, which is essentially, it's just way more cost effective in terms of transferring money back and forth. And he is setting up Wise for business for me, which means that will be anything business-wise I will put through that. So it just means your conversion rate is much better and you're not paying for an exchange. And then personally, then I've got Revolut. So it's a real Irish thing. Everyone has Revolut, which is like basically an online bank. And if I go out for, Kat's been ordering us stuff on her Amazon Prime account because she gets free shipping and like priority shipping and stuff. And so if I need to send her money, like she bought us six Australian wall adapters because we did not bring, we brought like one, which was so annoying because I'm like making a smoothie downstairs in the kitchen and we ship, oh, we shipped our Vitamix. That's the thing we shipped. And I'm like, like the adapters upstairs in the office. I've got to run up, like bring it down. And then of course I go to charge something in the office and I'm like, damn it, it's downstairs. So yeah, just revoluting cat 30 euro to pay for the six adapters, super easy. So yeah, Revolut is the go. And also you can actually get a physical Revolut card as well. And Wade's getting a physical WISE, W-I-S-E card as well. Okay. I knew there was another money one. Okay. And then... Next question then was, how is Lexi going with the school adjustment? So she hated her trial day. We were like, oh my God, this is going to be awful. And then she had a week off because they were on school holidays. And then she started proper this week. So as I'm recording this, she had day three today and she is loving it. Like We are pretty mind blown. We're like, holy crap. Okay. And yeah, she loves it. She loves her uniform. She's got this little friend. They've been playing together for three days and Lexi still doesn't know her name. It's like, Lexi, can you please find out her name? And so yeah, she's loving it. They make it really fun. Like she had science class yesterday and on Monday and science class was the whole class got taken out. They had to follow dinosaur footprints through the school. And then they came across a dinosaur egg that was like in ice. And then they had to carry it back to the classroom. I can't remember. And Lexi's like, we sprinkled sugar on it to try and melt it. So it was almost like they were testing different ways, like the best way to melt water, melt ice, and then they poured hot water on it. And yeah, so it sounds very fun. They make it really, really, it's amazing. So yeah, the school adjustment as of day three, 
please watch the space. I don't want to speak too soon. Has been good. Like she's really enjoying it. And Wilder has found it really tough, surprisingly, because I thought he would be the super easy adaptable one. He doesn't seem to be eating very well there. He gets home and he's absolutely ravenous. And like the child eats a lot and he's eating so much food every evening. He's upset when we dropped him. So he's only done two days so far. He was upset when we dropped him. And he's not sleeping well there because in his daycare, he's used to sleeping in a proper cot with like four sides. And there in his class, they have the little, I think they're also called cots, but you know, it's like the little camp beds that they set out and the kids sleep in them. And he's just not sleeping like they're holding him, helping him settle. He's sleeping for 40 minutes and normally he does like a solid two, two and a half hour sleep. So yeah, that's tough seeing him there. So he was home with me. We had Mama Wilder Day today. He's with Wade tomorrow and he's back again on Friday. So, and he slept for four and a half hours today. He had two naps today and he was wiped. So hopefully by Friday, he'll be recharged and kind of ready to try again. So yeah, that's been tough, but he's a massive extrovert. I think he'll settle in fine. He just needs some time to adjust and yeah, get used to the bed, unfortunately. Another question from Claire. Hi, Claire. What level of Spanish do you and the kids need to feel comfortable communicating? So I guess the upside and the downside of where we're living, it is quite expat-y. Everyone, most people in shops and so on do speak English. So that's an upside, of course, because it's not as stressful getting around day to day. But it's also a downside because we really do want to learn Spanish. Like we're very committed to learning. We don't want to be those people who just live in someone else's country and assume that they're going to speak English to us. So we've been doing Duolingo for the last four or five months. It's been amazing. I have to say like the getting around now and having done Duolingo, like it's really useful, like the phrases, the vocab that you learn, the verbs, like the basic grammar has been really, really good. So yeah, we Duolingo our asses off in the run-up and Lexi really loved doing that with us as well. And then here, I'm just really doing my best to learn as much as possible. I feel like I'm picking Spanish up quite easily because I learned Irish when I was tiny. I did my primary school through Irish, so we had to speak Irish all day. So from the age of five, I was essentially bilingual. And then I learned French as well. So I was fluent in French. I would not claim to be fluent anymore. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm picking it up quite easily. And with, oh, I just, I'm recording this. I just got a WhatsApp. I joined the parents WhatsApp group today in Lexi's class and we just got invited to our first birthday party. (laughs) It's funny that that's come through just as I am talking about having to learn Spanish. So yeah, I'm just really trying my best to try. And it's amazing. Like the Spanish people that just really appreciate just you even trying, even if it's just an absolute disaster, what I'm saying, the fact that you're trying, they really appreciate it. So yeah, Spanish, we are working on it. I reckon Lexi's going to pick it up very quickly because she's with the 50% of the kids in her school are Spanish and they tend to speak Spanish in the playground. They kind of have to, yeah, they get reminded to speak English when they're in classroom. So yeah, I'm feeling quite comfortable with that. But that said, we have not thrown ourselves in the deep end given where we're living. Okay. Someone else has asked where we are in Spain and... I feel like I've answered. Ah, yes. Perth girl. Hi, Perth girl has asked, how have you prioritized your workload in different time zones? So the intention, so the plan on paper was that I would do all of my mentoring. So I've got my annual mentees and I've also got my kind of more short-term mentees, including this, these new power month mentees and power quarter, which is when I work with them three months at a time. And so, yeah, the whole idea is I do any of my contact time. So my annual mentoring, my more short-term mentoring, all my bold darling sessions, podcast interviews, all that kind of thing would be done early morning. And then the rest of the day then is for my proactive work. So if you read my book, 
get remarkably organized, you'll know I talk about the difference between maker time, which is when you're creating, you're proactively doing the stuff you need to do, and manager time, which is where you're with people. So you're you know, with your team or your customers or whatever it might be. So that was the split. And I've been trialing it for a couple of weeks now. So at the moment, the time zone will shift in, it'll actually shift this month. So in a few weeks time, the start of April, is going to be quite different. So at the moment, my 4am in Spain is 2pm in Sydney. So that's, I've been getting up at 3.30, three mornings a week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, although this week I haven't had many calls. So it's been a little bit of a, an ease in this week, which has been great. So yeah, so it means I'm up early and then I'm finished pretty much my contact time by 7am. From April, that's going to be 6am. So it'll be a lot cushier at that point. And then it swings back in October, back the other way. So it's actually been great. I've been really pleasantly surprised at how good it is. I think it's helped as well. It doesn't actually get bright here until about 20 past seven in the morning because we're obviously smack bang in the middle of winter. So really, if I'm getting up at 3.30, it's dark anyway. Like it doesn't feel weird getting up when it's dark. So yeah, it's actually been really fine. I had a nap one day last week and then another day I just went to bed super early. I think I was in bed by, I was asleep by 8.30 and that felt great. Like I had a full day the next day and I felt really good. So yeah, that's how I'm managing it. And just things like normally on a Thursday afternoon, I would check in with all of my mentees. So I send a little kind of check-in message and they get back to me with any kind of questions or whatever every Thursday afternoon. And so I just do that first thing Thursday morning and it's been pretty much seamless for them. It just feels the same for them. So yeah, it's actually been working fine. And interestingly with the time zone thing, I really struggle with getting on Instagram in the evening and with my audience and my community, 7 p.m. is like peak time for me. 7, 7, 7 to 8 p.m. is peak time for me with Instagram traffic. So it's a really good thing if I'm posting live there and I'm posting stories or whatever I'm doing. And But I just don't like getting on that when I've done a full day of work and with kids. This, I just don't want to be on, on screens. I just don't enjoy it. I don't find it especially relaxing in the evening. I think it's different consuming, but when you're trying to kind of post and essentially be in content creation mode, it's challenging. So what's been really cool about being here is that kind of peak time in Australia is my kind of 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And I'm at about, I'm posting stories. And once I'm kind of back fully in swing of things, my Insta lives, everything like that will be happening at that time. So it's been really great for my Instagram engagement because I'm active at the time when my audience is active, but my evenings are beautifully free. So <laughs> that's been a, a really nice upside that I hadn't really factored in. Okay. I want to get to one last question. Carla has said, you guys are so amazing and inspiring. Thank you, my dear. That's really lovely. My auntie is saying, hooray, you have your family there. And okay. Just checking. I have, I want to make sure that I've answered all these questions. Yeah. I've answered these in kind of different formats. Okay. The last question Sarah has asked, how are you doing Sarah Franco? Hi, Sarah. How am I doing? Honestly, it just feels like a fecking roller coaster from hour to hour. I feel like some days I'm like, oh my God, we're here. Like we're driving down a highway. We've got the music going. We're in Spain. The mountains are there. The ocean's there. We're going past like these beautiful kind of white terracotta buildings. And I'm like, oh my God, we're here. And then I have other moments like today, just being really transparent. Like this morning, I'm like, what the fuck have we done? Like I'm sitting here in a house. I know pretty much no one. And I've got all my beautiful friends. I've got my beautiful gym, my beautiful yoga studio, 
our home, like everything was back in Australia and it was set up really, really beautifully because we spent a lot of time getting it that way. So yeah, it's really a roller coaster thing. And I think it's also, I'm very conscious of the fact that this was my idea and I really want this to be a great move for everyone. So for me, Wade, the kids, my family, you know, everyone. And I do feel the responsibility of that, if that makes sense. I think what's been amazing is Wade and I have been really, it's just been such a beautiful team effort doing this. We've been getting on really well. It's felt light, even though it's felt really heavy at times as well. So I think that's just been amazing. That's been, I think the fuel that I've been running off is him and I I feel emotional saying that. But if you may, I'm not sure how long you've been kind of listening or following along, but we moved to the Gold Coast in 2018 as an attempted tree change. And I was really afraid about, we came back after four months because I was just depressed and miserable and it was not a good move for us as a family or as a couple. And I was really worried about that again. And really Wade didn't move to the Gold Coast. He still needed to be back in Sydney a lot for his business. And he was staying with, he was living with one of our friends during the week. Whereas this feels like we're really doing this together. Like it's really felt like we're doing this. So yeah, thank you for asking, Sarah. It is a roller coaster, even from minute to minute sometimes. Like, yeah, oh shit. Oh yeah, oh no. <laughs> so I will definitely keep you all posted on the journey as it continues. Like we really are very early days in this, two and a half weeks in. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up now. I have answered all of your questions. If there's anything that you're kind of itching still to know, please do DM me on Instagram. I'm very happy to answer any follow-up questions. And I'm also going to be doing a house tour as well on Insta. I'm going to do an Insta live and do a house house tour over the next few days. I've been meaning to do it since we arrived, but then my family came over. So my mom, my sister and my two nephews and one niece came over. So obviously the house was just like mental with that amount of people in it. And yeah, we're still just trying to set it up. So I will definitely do the house tour. And as I said, if you know of any of your mates who are looking to rent a beautiful Spanish villa over summer, send them my way. And yes, I'm going to wrap this up now. Just remember that I have just opened up spots for a new power month mentoring. So if you want an hour of power, just you and I, you know what to do. Send me a DM on Instagram, just saying power month, and I will get back to you with all the info and stay tuned. Bold Darling doors are opening again this month. I can't, I'm so excited for the group that, that we have. They're, they're on fire. It's really building into something really beautiful and special with the group. I'm so, so, so happy and grateful for Bull Darling. So yes, doors will be opening to that. And as I said, I'll be announcing next week, a really exciting adventure that I've created as part of that launch as well. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that I've answered all your cues with my A's and I'll chat to you again in next week's episode. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss an episode. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions and requests for future topics on what I share here on the show. So please do reach out via my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au or connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor. I would also love if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps even more brilliant listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much again for listening this week. Thank you.